Welcome to the Lion's Roar Dharma Center podcast from Dona Darge Temple. This public talk by Lama Yeshe Jinpa was recorded during a regularly scheduled Sunday morning service. Today's talk is uh, uh, Introduction to Tantra. Um, What really characterizes um, uh, our Dharma practice here, which really looks different than other forms of Buddhism, of course, is the fact that we have many uh, different representations of uh, the Buddha. Uh, We have artwork that depicts Buddhas in a fierce form and peaceful form, Buddhas that are male and female, Buddhas that uh, are in uh, embrace, the abhyum embrace. So it looks very different than if you're going to um, sit at Spirit Rock or you're sitting downtown uh, at the uh, Japanese temple on Riverside, right? Or if it feels very different than um, uh, uh, sitting at uh, Sacramento Dharma Center. Although they have some tankas too, right? So nice Manjushri tanka. And uh, they have Kala Chakra. It's upside down, you know, but okay, they have it. So <laughs> sorry. I just had to say that. So uh, um, <clears throat> it's like sometimes, but mandalas sometimes look like, you know, modern art. You know, which way do they really go? You know, But uh, generally in the Kala Chakra, um, the uh, east is, well, with all the mandalas, the east is where you enter, right? The rising sun, the east. And uh, uh, the east in the Kala Chakra um, coloring system is black. So you always know, like, the gate which is black should be down, on, you know, like that. So. <clears throat> so what characterizes us is um, a different style of doing practice uh, than many of the other uh, styles of Buddhism, Theravada or Mahayana or Jodhishin or something. <clears throat> but what also characterizes uh, our style of Dharma is that uh, we do it all. So we're expected to do it all. So every other style of Dharma uh, that was extant in India and China at the time uh, things went to Tibet, uh, the Tibetans wanted, and Nepalese and Mongolians and Bhutanese wanted to save everything. So our viewpoint, too, is that uh, we, we, we're different and that we have this tantric style, Vajrayana style, but also we have everything else, too. So we have what would be called, uh, in Zen, I don't like to use the term that much, just sitting. Uh, or we also have, uh, do a lot of study, you know, intellectual study, too. We do debate. We do a lot of rituals, too. We do everything. So in our system, uh, we're expected to do it all. And, but what really characterizes uh, is uh, the, the nature of the yogic practices that we do, the visualizations we do, the, uh, the different styles that we do. Also in Vajrayana and Tantra, there's a strong devotional aspect. In America, um, sometimes we feel, oh, okay, that's going to get us into trouble because um, uh, there's a strong guru devotion. Although uh, I can tell you right now that there's much more power in politicians and also in lowly therapists than there is in lamas, right? Because lowly therapists can write a diagnosis, right? I just got finished doing 
two days of legal <laughs> and ethical things for my professional job, right? So once they write a diagnosis on your chart, right, and it goes out into, you know, uh, electronics, does it ever go away? Never goes away, right? So therapists are more powerful than llamas. And politicians, once they do something, then we're kind of stuck with that too, right? So uh, I'm fond of saying... Uh, from the Buddha, who was questioned about his style, he said, you know, uh, you should know that Buddhas don't uh, wash away sins with water. You can't just go to the Ganga and be washed clean of your karma. We don't wash away our karma with water. The Buddhas don't heal by laying on of hands. We can't just, like, you know, stand up and go, <coughs> heal, you know, and then somebody goes over. What, what was that show on TV that yeah, with somebody else, and people come up and just touch on forehead, and then people would fall back and they'd be caught, right? So we can't do that. Um, uh, then we can't transfer realizations. <coughs> I can't say, well, I'm, I'm awake and enlightened, I'm just going to give it to you if you pay enough money or something. We can't do that. Only teach. So the, the Buddhas only teach. That's all we can do. We can teach. The good news is people can learn. But that's all we can do is teach. So, uh, in Tantra, we have slightly different styles, um, but uh, the gurus and the Buddhas aren't all powerful. Um, the compassion is unlimited, but uh, the power is limited, right? Because if the Buddhas could uh, transfer realizations, heal spontaneously from afar by touching, or wipe away uh, your uh, karma, then uh, that'd be more like omniscient and omnipotent, right? The Buddhas are omniscient about the practices we need to do to wake up, and the compassion is uh, completely... um, uh, all-encompassing, not limited, uh, but but the power uh, is limited. So the Buddhas can just teach. <clears throat> so that's the interesting part. We have uh, uh, all these things and look like uh, a lot more uh, than other schools, but uh, we also are we emphasize the limitations of the teacher. So unless someone does the study and the practice, nothing will happen, right? (laughs) So uh, your problems uh, won't just go away. So usually people are saying, Lamala, I would just wish that would go away. And I go, well, it won't. Or Lamala, can you just remove it magically? I can't. And our favorite uh, defense or favorite excuse is, well, maybe if I just ignore it, it won't bother me. But that doesn't work either. So uh, the emphasis finally in, in, in Tantra is, is, is teaching, right? Is to come down to teaching. So even though we have a lot of, we work with energy and color, and it seems like we do a lot of. Uh, Devotion, bows, you know, some people here maybe aren't used to, if they're here for the first time. Who's first time here? 
No, everyone? Okay, so now you're used to bows, right? But it still may feel odd, like, but we're bowing to the fact that uh, Buddhism and particularly Tantra is about teaching. We're bowing to the fact that we have to teach and practice. We're acknowledging, we're honoring that. <clears throat> That's interesting, right? <clears throat> Hope it's interesting. So, <clears throat> in India, probably everything like it is now, it, it's all kind of, Buddhism was very much mixed together, but when it showed up in Tibet over successive uh, centuries, um, with wonderful enlightened teachers from India and Tibet, they wanted to organize everything. So uh, it became organized basically into uh, you know, Hinayana, Mahayana, and Vajrayana practices. It became organized into like what were called sutra practices uh, or exoteric practices, dharma talk practices for the public, and then secret practices, which were tantra. <clears throat> and then very secret practices called Mahamudra and Dzogchen. Probably uh, in India, the Tantra and uh, uh, was mixed up with Mahamudra and the meditation practices a little bit more in Tibet. Um, but when certain teachers came along, like uh, Gampopa, they decided, okay, we're going to we're going to teach Mahamudra and Dzogchen separately from Tantra. So those students of mine who've been to the Mahamudra retreats know that we're reading Tilopa's Mahamudra text and say, well, what use is all the rituals? Just recognize nature mind, right? It should sound familiar. Yeah? And do this if it sounds familiar. Okay. <laughs> okay, good. <clears throat> so I'm going to approach it from that point of view that Tantra is a little bit distinct from this, these other kind of approaches, even though we're all doing it, and uh, it's, it's meant to do it all. Tantra is primarily interested in uh, the path, how we actually do the practice. What does it feel like to do the practice? What does it feel like to be awake? And how do we change, and how do we uh, transform and develop ourselves? Because uh, when you're reading like Heart Sutra, right? There's a, there's a little bit in the mantra going, 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 but it feels like it's just like this is the way it is. You know, how do you how do you practice it, right? That's just the way it is. So um, that's like called definitive teaching, or just pointing out teaching. Like Mahamudra and Dzogchen highest teachings are just recognize nature mind, right? doesn't feel like there's any process, actually, does it? Just see who you are. See what mind is. See what reality is. <clears throat> but actually, uh, very few people can just be told that right away, and then they're fine. So we need a process. We need a way to educate ourselves. And that's the process, the path, uh, the developmental side of Tantra. If nothing changed, there wouldn't be any problem, right? Nothing, if things, there was no change, there's no movement, there wouldn't be any problems, right? You wouldn't know any different. Things would just be static, isn't that right? It's movement that creates problems. If things didn't move, there'd be no time. 
you wouldn't know anything differently, so there wouldn't be any problems. It's because things change that we have a problem. We know that they can change. You know, generally, generally, we actually don't really have a problem with things we know just can't change. We've just accepted them. <clears throat> so Tantra very strongly says, well, how is it possible to work with change? And how is it possible to come to a place of stillness if things are just changing? And how do those work together, stillness and change? This is addressed too in uh, Mahamudra and in Dzogchen teachings uh, to a degree. But um, Mahamudra and Dzogchen is more like um, old math. You know, just here's the right answer. Just get it, okay? And Tantra's more like, well, how did we get there? How does it work? What, what happens? You know, what's the new math, right? Anybody a math teacher here? Somebody teaches math, right? <laughs> Not anymore. Not anymore. <laughs> but is there still old math? They don't say old math anymore, probably. Uh, no. Yeah, kind of. Like, yeah, but what's more important to get when you're teaching someone to, so that they get the process or they get the right answer? But you also like new math. You want to know how you got there, right? right. Yeah. <clears throat> so tantra means continuity. It, it doesn't mean uh, sexuality or kama sutra for us. It means continuity. So the continuity is like we want to know how we got there and what's it feel like to get there. What's the path? In a sense, the higher teachings, the pointing out instructions are based on stillness. Just notice. Recognition is always just still. right? Just recognize. And with recognize, you either get it or you don't, correct? You either get like 2 plus 2 is 4 or you don't. You either get the joke or you don't. It's just, it's just bare recognition. There's, there's not that much talk of process, actually. There's talk about getting it wrong, but there's not that much talk about process. You either kind of get the joke or you don't. There's no kind of like, let me explain the joke to you. Isn't that right? Anybody gone to a comedy club and had the comedians you know, explain the joke? No. But, you know, there, there are, obviously there's got to be training in comedy, right? You know, this is what's funny, you know? So that's tantras, that it's, that how, how does it actually work? What does it feel like to actually do it? So um, it's a path aspect. It's the developmental aspect of our practice. It's how we got there. It's, it's like how it actually works. So that's why in Tantra we talk a lot about that inner um, winds and channels and, and drops. We talk about all these different states, why it's so imaginal. Because when you talk about inner worlds, uh, you can't just talk um, concretely like tables and chairs. You're talking metaphorically too and imaginatively. <coughs> We're talking about what it feels like. Why is all this necessary? Why, why, do we, why don't we just get the right answer and leave it at that. 
some schools are like that, right? Some schools are, well, just, I'll just tell you the same thing, and you either get it or you don't. Hopefully you're not paying like $10,000 in a weekend for it to a teacher, but, you know. Because <clears throat> you just can't say to somebody, uh, oh, okay, I get the problem, uh, let go. <clears throat> There, there was a psychoanalyst in France, um, uh, I'm blanking on his name, but he, he got things down to like, what was it? Lacan. Lacan, yeah. Thank you. Is that Morris? You're, you're on it, so thank you. Yeah, I rescued the llama. Lacan. So, he, you know, he, he, he shrunk the 50-minute hour, sometimes down to just like, you know, a minute or something. <laughs> and just like, this is your problem, or just like this, and then... Some people really liked that. Other people felt kind of cheated. Would you? I mean, let's say you, you go to the psychiatrist in New York, and you know they're six twenty-five an hour, and you walk in, and you know the psychiatrist just said, uh, "You know, what's the problem?" Well, I'm really hung up on this, and they go, "Well, just let go." And then you know, kind of, okay, think the session's over. Would, would that be all right? <laughs> You'd want some process, wouldn't you? Wouldn't you at least want to tell your story? What if Lacan, like, what you used to do, would interrupt people? You're telling your story about, you know, this happened, and this is my family history, and this is, you know, this, and, uh, okay, okay, we're not interrupting, you know, stop it. <clears throat> would that be okay? No, you want a little bit, you know, like, I want you to know how I got to my stuck place at least, right? That's Tantra. We, we're, we're trying a little bit to explain how we got to this stuck place and how to get out of it. Because traditionally, very, very traditional sometimes is the Buddhist going to say, um, it's worthless talking about how you got stuck. We say that in Tantra too. Sometimes it's worthless. Like, well, you know, like we don't know why suddenly people get stupid and ignorant and don't see, uh, you know, Rigpa, don't see awareness. I don't know. You know, we just blank out, then we freak out, and that's what happens. We don't know why. That's not always satisfying, though, is it? We, we want a little bit more. Uh, at least we want to know, like, well, how do we kind of unravel this thing? So my theory is that Tantra evolves somewhat as, as a way to experientially explain how we get stuck in samsara and how to liberate from it, what it feels like. What does it feel like to be stuck, unhappy, and what does it feel like to be happy? So in Tantra, we talk a lot about blissful states and higher states of awareness, right? We don't just say, let go. We don't say, just recognize. We can say that, but generally, um, we're, we're very much interested in the process side. We, we want to hear your story. We want to hear how you got lost in the forest. And we want to hear how you got out. But anybody that's talked about their life um, generally knows that you're not going to talk entirely in this kind of um, hospital uh, psychiatric way, right? So uh, you're not going to start talking like, um, let's say you've had a big loss or things are going wrong at work or home or health-wise, or maybe you've had some wonderful things happen, I don't know, but... Um, no one's going to come in uh, in therapy. No one's ever come to me as Lama and 
just kind of spewed out a, um, uh, a mental status exam. No, no one's just said, um, you know, I'm feeling, you know, at times euthymic, but but other times quite dysthymic. I'm noticing, you know, moments of agitation, and my judgment is poor. <laughs> <laughs> You know, there's there's more and more lists of you know like, no no one's coming in and saying you know I have a F forty one point one, and then they're reading off you know the symptoms for you know generalized anxiety disorder. People are telling a story, isn't that right? No no one's just kind of reading off. In fact, that would be weird, right? Somebody just says I'm just going to read off these uh, these symptoms, right? There'd be no story behind it, right? So Tantra is a very interesting story, so that's why you get stories. And you, you get kind of things to do called rituals, and you get um, weird things because life is weird. <clears throat> but uh, in Abhidharma style, uh, if everyone's you know, read Pali Abhidharma or even um, for those folks in the Buddha Dharma study program who will be reading some... Um, Mahayana, Abhidharma, you know, it just lists um, uh, mental states, right? So an Abhidharma might say, well, this, these are the, you know, these are the 50 thises and these are the six thats. And in, that, that was one of the first books I read on Buddhism. I picked up maybe at 15, you know, kind of um, early translations by some of the German monks that went to, you know, um, Southeast Asia. And I picked up the Abhidharma books, you know, and they're just lists of mental states, positive and negative. They don't tell you anything else. They don't say what to do with it, right? It's just lists of states. Anybody looked at that kind of material ever? Yeah, you know, and you're thinking, oh, jeez. <laughs> How's this going to help me, you know, with my girlfriend? You know, so um, we're not going to do that. In fact, you know, the the... The Theravada Vipassana style is very abhidharmic because you're you're meant to notice and label emotional states, right? Now I'm having this kind of thought, now I'm having that kind of thought, right? Do you do that in shamatha practice or Vajrayana Tantric shamatha practice? No. You know, people not you know in shamatha we call it, you know, concentration or placement meditation, samadhi meditation. Uh, you're just developing a strong, stable awareness, right? You're, you're, you're noticing if you're a little bit anxious or a little bit depressed or a little bit scattered or a little bit slack and you're adding more intensity to it. But you're really not, you're not labeling any particular mental state, are you? Am I wrong? No? It's not an Abhidharma approach at all. <clears throat> so Tantra, uh, we do talk about mental states, but the mental states will have a story behind them. Yeah. There, there'll be a deity, or there'll be some kind of activity. <clears throat> so, uh, I want to leave some time for questions. It's 11:45. Uh, the question comes up a lot, and in, internally in, in uh, Vajrayana practice in Tibet and from other schools, like, well, why do we need to do tantra? Why, why couldn't we just like sit and just do that, um, <clears throat> and that would work. 
Well, you can't. You could. You could just do that. You could just go, okay, um, I'm, I'm just going to sit here, I recognize nature mind, be liberated, and that's it. Because Mahamud and Dzogchen are not, not so much transformational as liberational, right? Tantra is kind of transformational. Sutra is kind of purifying. But uh, on a practical level, it's like, you know, Marpa asked Milarepa, well, you were doing Dzogchen, did it work for you? It didn't work for him. He did end up doing Dzogchen and Mahamudu, but first he had to do a lot of stuff. He had to do a lot of tantric practices. <clears throat> so generally in, in Tibet uh, and in uh, Tibetan teachers, even those people teaching Mahamudra and Dzogchen, they're, they're going to be teaching all the tantric practices to go along with it. Honestly, don't know a qualified teacher that doesn't always do that because most of us can't immediately recognize nature mind just by pointing out instruction. I haven't found one yet, okay? You know, just like came out of the blue, you just say one thing, and then they go home and they've got it. Maybe at the time of the Buddha there might have been a few people like that, like Shariputra was a very smart, smart guy. <clears throat> So I want to take some time for our questions, comments, um, complaints. I'm feeling energetic, so oh. Dirk, then Annette. We must have the mic. Yes. Uh, in the in the in the in the framework that the way you're presenting uh, tantra versus Dzogchen and Mahamudra yeah. as being as Dzogchen and Mahamudra not being tantric uh, would you call Tantra then development stage and Dzogchen and Mahamudra completion stage in the way you're presenting it uh, could be somewhat like that you know uh, sometimes that's the way um, because of course Dzogchen sometimes translated as great completion which I like that um, so in our sadhanas, uh, the practices we do that involve visualizing Buddhists of different forms, we do a generation state where we're creating an imaginal world, a perfect imaginal world. But then uh, after that, after that becomes stable, then we're dissolving it. And then we might rest just in awareness. So many of the uh, sadhanas we have, the practice materials we have, the practices are actually a combination of uh, Tantra and Dzogchen. But it is possible just to do, it is possible just to do uh, Dzogchen practice and Mahamudra practice with, in a sense without doing any Tantric practices whatsoever. You can just, but I, I don't know of any teachers that actually teach it separately that um, in the real world, you know, you end up it, it always ends up being somewhat of a blend. Because we do need to get the right answer. You do need to see nature mind. But you, to be a good teacher, right? We have a few teachers in the room. Uh, we, you want to teach people how to get there, right? So if, you, if people don't get it the first time, do you just go, well, sorry you didn't get it? No, you say, well, let me try it this way. Let me try it that way. 
So I, I'm presenting Tantra as, as a way of, uh, um, as a really a teaching style. So uh, this has some history going back to the time of the Buddha when after his uh, great enlightenment experience, uh, apparently said to the first person, you know, it's like, um, uh, all, all beings are manifesting as my own nature, as Buddha. And nobody got it. <laughs> uh, and uh, so he kept walking and he ended up at Sravasti and, and taught the Four Noble Truths. So he probably said that a bunch of times, you know, to various people. And he got, um, I don't know, I, I, maybe I'll just stick in the jungle because they're not getting it. So, but uh, accordingly, Indra and um, Brahma came to him and said, you know, would, would, you, would you teach? You know, the, the gods showed up, Shiva, and said, you know, you, you do have something to say. We're, we're interested too. So uh, he made it to uh, Sarvasti and taught the Four Noble Truths. So he, he kind of went down to the basics, like, okay, you guys aren't getting it, so let's, let's start here. Like that. <coughs> Um, can you clarify for me um, the part that you were talking about where the Buddha's power diminishes? The, the Buddhas uh, are not omnipotent to change someone's karma, you see. So I'm making the point that uh, it, there's, we, we emphasize in our tradition, you know, very strong guru yoga identifying or practicing to have the same realization as our teacher, as the Buddha. But we have to do it from our end. The teacher is not limited as, as far as compassion or skillful means, but is limited if the person doesn't practice from their side. So you just can't go into someone's head and, and change it. So that's a limit, right? But, but some traditions, particularly theistic traditions, say, well, we can just go into your head and change it without your permission, or we can do it. We can go in and change your karma for you, but we—it always needs to be work from our side too. Yeah, it's a learning model, essentially. What do you think? I, I was just thinking um, our power would always come from that place of overflowing, like our compassion. Yeah. And yeah, so I, I, in my mind, I'm, I'm thinking it's constantly being renewed. It's not something that's going to diminish it. I was just thinking our bodhicitta would, would fuel our power and our compassion so it would come from our practice and that would keep it refueled. It, it does from the student side and the lama side too, but uh, it, it doesn't like, you can't just like jump the realization from one to the other. It's got to be a meeting of minds, not a tr like, not, not like here's, here's my thing now. The, the minds have to meet. You can't just give someone realization, you know, like that. You can, you can inspire them, and you can um, uh, annoy them, <laughs> but you, you know, <laughs> you, you, you know, you try to agitate them. You know, okay, let's try this. Well, we'll shake this or turn that upside down. You know, but but you you can't just go in and fix it from the outside. That's why it, it's Dharma is fundamentally an educational uh, model of teaching. Uh, you know, really close under that, it's a healing model too, right? But 
you know, healing is generally like after something has gone wrong, then we try to heal it. But we're trying to like get get ahead of the game, you know, be our own like HMO. So we want you to be healthy, so we don't have to heal you, right? Saves money for Kaiser, right? So, you know, we we're we're a teaching model and and a healing model, but it's it's still primarily a teaching model. We'll, we'll heal, but even you know, if if doctors and spiritual teachers were great healers, no one would die, right? Eventually, still, I don't know, maybe some people, I don't know, outside of zombies, you know, some people are, are still going to die, right? So even with all the herbs and, you know, all the wonderful machines, the Da Vinci surgical machine and everything, right? People die still, right? right? Yeah. So healing isn't absolute, right? We do medicine Buddha are very important to, to uh, develop an open heart and to bring the skandhas and everything into balance. But um, we, we can't stop you from dying, right? But we can stop samsara, right? We can stop the delusion. So that's why we say fundamentally teaching model. Hi, Marie. wondering if you could um, comment on how one's tantric practice might support one's ability or one's um, ability to practice Mahamudra and Dzogchen because in my own life that's been um, t- the two have worked together mm-hmm. this, yeah. a good question yeah so uh, one of, one of the fundamental styles of Tantra is to uh, take the result as the path. So we're, we're meditating on Buddhas because that's our essential nature. So if we say, uh, I'm going to meditate on Chenrezig, the Buddha of compassion, we're, we're wanting to become Chenrezig, right? So uh, to start that, we need some sense of confidence, actually. Like, well, that's doable. Or I'm at least try it. I've seen other people manifest as Chenrezig, like Dalai Lama or, or our dog or something, right? So we can say, I can become Chenrezig. And then the Vajra pride develops that I am, I am the Buddha of compassion. That is my nature. So to uh, Tantra works on both relative and absolute levels, right? So if we develop that kind of confidence, very strong confidence, then when we look at the nature of mind uh, in Mahamudra Dzogchen style, there, there's, there's going to be more confidence and energy behind it because Tantra is basically really pumping up and turning up our energy. You know, it's really turning the light up, really turning the energy up. Um, so obviously the metaphor, I mean, if the light's a little brighter, we're going to see the object better. And that's that's why Tantra does have a big emphasis on using whatever energy to, to turn it up. So the, the confidence is an extremely important thing. You know, so uh, actually, we, uh, you know, we can, Tantra does uh, obviously talk about realizing nature of mind like clear light mind. We talk it in a tantric sense. So it's not like Tantra is, um, you know, an incomplete path. But uh, the emphasis is on 
developing the skillful means of this Vajra confidence and the energy behind it. So we're, by, by identifying over time, repetition, repetition, with enlightened view, pure view, right? And then gradually that becomes our, our dominant go-to. So it, it generally is easier, in a sense, to, uh, to do Mahamudra and Dzogchen after uh, doing s some preparation, right? So even people not doing a full, uh, maybe they haven't done all, the, they say, well, I don't do, they might say, I'm not doing this, da da da, da. I'm not doing you know, this practice, but my teacher is making me do Nundra practice, so that's Vajrayana, right? You have to do Vajrasattva and Mandala offering, everything. That's all tantric purification. So it's the confidence uh, and the power that, that can be a big aid. Because it just takes one doubt, right? Just to come. The house of cards falls down, doesn't it? Yeah, why not? Is that useful? Yeah, that, the raising of the energy yeah, and that confidence. Yeah. It's key. Yeah, because there's also like, uh, um, Tantra has a kind of more psychological, feely thing to it. It's a little juicier because there's imagery and, and emotions involved. You know, but you know, generally when you're looking at nature, mind, of course, there's going to be a sense of bliss and liberation, but you're, and and love. But we're not. Uh, there's there's not the operatic emotional thing of tantra. <laughs> yeah. Hi. Hi. Welcome back. Yeah. Thanks. Um, you, I'm, I'm unsure of the difference between sutra and tantra. You said that sutra was purification and that tantra had to do with transformation or and, and the path and walking the path. Yeah. And I've always sutra is path too, but yeah. So yeah. what, what's, can you clarify a little bit as to where the two, I mean, don't they sort of mesh? They do, yeah. Yeah, it's a spectrum, of course. Um, the, the way Tibetans generally have thought about sutra is a little bit different than like in China. Or, you know, it's just kind of, sutra is mostly like developing uh, a wisdom. Of course, we have to develop intelligence, prajna, to see what's beneficial and what's not. So, when we're saying sutra, we're, we're generally saying these, the, learning enough wisdom, enough intelligence to notice like this leads to good results, that leads to bad results, which is huge. So you can't, you can't toss out sutra. So that's why we're saying, well, you, you have to do uh, you know, a sutra kind of training before you do a tantra training. <laughs> Otherwise, you'll just you know, like, uh, you know, plug yourself in. I'm kind of tantric as a kid. I do stupid stuff like, well, let's see what happens if I plug my finger into the socket. That's not something I'd advise. So, you know, I don't know. Anybody else done stuff like that? Like, let's just see what that <laughs> feels like, you know? But uh, sutra level is, is that a good idea? You know, <laughs> maybe that's not a good idea, you know? 
to just see what happens if I push that button. So uh, in, a, in a full practice, we, we want people to not land on the concrete. We want them to have a mat to land on. They're working out. So we want people to develop some intelligence like, that, that's really not a good idea, like that. So tantra sometimes can be misleading uh, and kind of hyperbole and dramatic, because they'll say, you know, you do this and it'll wipe away millions of eons of karma. Well, maybe it'll wipe away all the millions of eons of karma, but right now, you're in deep shit because you're in jail. So you can say, well, I'm doing Vajrasafra in jail, so I've wiped away, well, you're still in jail, right? So sutra level is, well, maybe you do need a good attorney to get out of jail and not do that again, right? So that's sutra level, which is really essential. Otherwise, you think, well, it doesn't matter because I've just wiped out all my karma, but um, you know, Sacramento County Sheriff's not going to let you out of jail for doing Vajrasafra practice, you know? <laughs> you, you can maybe do you can help create a pure vision and, and do you know and, and create good uh, motivation going forward but you also have to have this prajna you know this discriminating awareness like I need a good public defender to get me out and I need to pay the fine something like that it's essential yeah so that's why you know we say we're, we're practicing all the vehicles at the same time. You have to practice everything at the same time. You know, just yeah, because working backwards then, when you're getting ready to do whatever it is that's going to land you in jail, if you right. had Abhidharma practice, and you go, oh, you know what? This is being, this is like jealousy or anger or envy. Right. You have to be able to identify yeah. it. Yes. Okay. So um, generally, uh, well, we'll take a break in a second. Like, uh, uh, the beginning of Buddhism in Tibet was characterized by you know, th- three people, uh, Guru Rinpoche, Padmasambhava, Sangha Rakshida, and um, the king, Trisondetsen, right? So these represent kind of three kind of styles. So uh, Sangha Rakshida was, uh, you know, uh, the, the logic and the training in the monastic style, and Padmasambhava is the tantric style and the Dzogchen style together, and Trisandetsan was the ruling side. You know, this is how we organize our trip here. So uh, th- there, are those three aspects always in our practice that's particularly strong in, you know, what we call Tibetan or Himalayan Buddhism is an, an organizational structure that's very community oriented and a logical kind of uh, teaching style, and then a strong uh, kind of crazy wisdom, wild, and tantric style too. So those three are always seen as blending together, which seems like they wouldn't at first, right? You know, really being organized and then really being kind of wild and really being steady, you know. But it's always approached from those three levels. Yes. Thank you. Um, So you say that the sutra, um, that you need the sutra to have the intelligence before you make the decisions. 
or to see things the way they are. Um, but what part of um, what happens or the decisions you make, even when you don't want to make them, have to do with karma? Well, sutta level is really understanding karma, too. Right. We say sutta, I mean, the Buddha gave kind of talks um, that obviously, um, uh, they're also kind of general, too. That's, that's general talks, like, you know, pay attention to what you're doing, right? Don't, don't practice negative actions. Develop the wisdom to do that. Tantra also is more personal, so that's why you always need a personal teacher. But sutra level is a little bit more open. Like I'm kind of talking sutra level a little bit now because it's just general, right? It's like that. But so uh, sutra level is talking about like how to generate good karma and avoid bad karma. You know, developing that prajna like that. So in tantric words, we we still talk about prajna, but we add, we you know we add this line of like okay, we're doing jhana, you know, we're, we're doing, uh, you know, yeshe, that was, or we're doing, uh, you know, we're attaining vidya, rigpa, right? So we're, we're saying not only is there this intelligence, but there's this wisdom and awareness on top of that. But we f- first have to develop generally uh, the intelligence, the prajna aspect, like what's beneficial, what's not, discriminating wisdom. So I've met a lot of teachers over my you know, let's see, a 50-year uh, career, and some who obviously have, you know, a strong awareness, right? You know, you can just be in their presence, you know, and you just feel kind of like a little, uh, you get a little bit of energy right there, or just you can feel that. Um, but then then they, they make, do the stupidest things, right? So there's not much prajna, right? So a lot of times... Uh, people can be very open, aware on one level, not real awareness, but kind of open and aware, open-hearted and kind of open, but they don't have much uh, just, you know, practical smarts, prajna. You know, they just think, well, I'll just, you know, keep, um, uh, you know, doing stuff. You know, just like, this is kind of a, you know, hard example, but... Uh, um, when I was studying with, uh, you know, Jyoti uh, Rinpoche in Fairfax, you know, doing Zogchen teachings with him, you know, I said, do you, do you think Ursula uh, uh, Tenzin, you know, Trungpa Zera is going to uh, die? He said, yeah, he's, he's got AIDS, he's going to die. That's prajna. It doesn't matter how many protector practices you do, that's it. You're done, right? So... Uh, the, you need to have both. You need to have this awareness of the emptiness and openness in, of mind, but also like the karmic nature. Like some things we're not going to recover from, right? We're now recovering from death, right? Yeah, good. Uh, the style in our lineage is we, we do multiple uh, shorter sittings. So... Uh, We've done a little bit of that on retreat, but next next retreat we do, uh, uh, I still want to do like, you know, these like 18 minutes and then walk for five, 18 minutes. Okay, we'll do that next time. So people like just get this kind of short, then break, short, then break like that. Because that's kind of more like, in a sense, real life, right? 
because we're doing tons of tasks. So we're actually training towards being really aware in an intense way and then having to switch, being aware in an intense way and having to switch, right? So when we're doing long, long sittings, which is possible too, um, uh, that, uh, that, that is more conducive to kind of concentration and samadhi states, right? Some people like to know about the jhana states or the samadhi states or the concentration states. So, so when uh, you know, people say, well, I'm doing a lot of long sitting, I'm thinking, well, uh, hopefully you're not just blanking out, which most people are, frankly, but uh, you know, maybe you're reaching some concentration states. But if you're practicing, uh, you know, generally, I would say even though we're doing tantra practice, sutra practices, uh, individual liberation practices here, we're always doing kind of from a Dzogchen point of view, right? So we're practicing from a recognition point of view, which is geared more, a little bit at first, geared more towards shorter, shorter things. So the practices, I mean, to be a little bit intense, right? And then you get a break. Does that make sense? Yeah, short. Huh. Yeah, at first. Because uh, if you get newcomers uh, and they say, well, let's sit here for 45 minutes, you're, you're not going to stay in Rigpa. You're just going to be drifting all over the place, to be honest. You know, right? you know so you're, you're training to kind of more uh, uh, windsprint kind of thing and in a way that's a little bit more like uh, real life. Because the emphasis on... in Zogchen uh, and Mahamudras on recognition and intensity rather than concentration and placement. Because the idea is we've already got that down. Because real life isn't, you, I don't know anything where you actually get to do really one thing for an hour, right? We really don't. You, you know, you're, we're constantly moving. So we, we're, we're working towards intensity like that. But intensity for us doesn't mean blocking things down, blocking, thought blocking. Intensity means like, like we have maybe just 12, 15 minutes. Intensity means like you, you just want to be here, present, in the most powerful way possible. Like this is, you know, traditional style is like you're sitting on the edge of a cliff or you're just ready, you know, <laughs> to be executed, right? Right, you're sitting with that level of intensity. So you don't want to block anything out, right? You want to feel what it's like to be fully alive, right? So you're not trying to block things out or thinking like, well, I'll end up in heaven after my head comes off. No, you, you want to be like, I, I want this, my last 12 minutes, to be the most alive, present, and, and here feeling I can have, right? That, that style. Overall experience of trauma uh, uh, is samsara. The overall experience of Tantra is a rhythm and balance. So samsara has this sense of like uh, out of balance, out of step, out of rhythm, uh, jaggedness, right? But uh, you know, Tantra and of course Mahamudra Dzogchen meant, meant to bring us back into a recognition of this rhythmic balance. So we could call like you know, you know, a sutra kind of is balance, right? Balanced lifestyle, knowing what's balanced, what 
what to do, what to avoid, what to do, right? And uh, Tantra is really a rhythm, which feels great, doesn't it? Being rhythm. And then Mahamudra and Dzogchen is the real appreciation and recognition of that. So when the balance and the rhythm and the recognition come together, it's very strong, isn't it? So is that too simple? Balance, (laughs) rhythm, recognition, right? So sutra is very balanced. Sutra approach, very balanced. So I always emphasize balance. And then you want to emphasize how, how wonderful it is that the movement and the stillness go together and it has this wonderful feeling tone, right? And then, but there has to be the recognition, seeing absolute nature, mind, nature of things. You have to kind of get it, right? So those three together are kind of like the, the three, <laughs> they, they say the three things of stool, stool right? <laughs> so we don't use stools much anymore. The idea is you can put the stool on any ground. Four legs you can't, but stool will fit on any ground, right? Think about that, you know? Anybody here, any, anybody other than me milk, has milked a cow before? Yeah. You want a stool, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the, the balance, right? And the rhythm, and then the recognition. Okay. Let's do closing prayers. <clears throat> Dedication is on page 15. Due to the merits of these virtuous actions, may I quickly attain the state of Guru Buddha, lead all living beings without exception into that enlightened state. May the supreme jewel bodhicitta that has not arisen arise and grow. May that which has arisen not diminish but increase more and more. In the land circled by snow mountains, you are the source of all happiness and good. All powerful Chenrezi, Tenzin Gatso, please remain until samsara ends. May the teachings of the Buddha flourish. May the upholders of the teachings remain forever. May all migrators achieve happiness, and may they fulfill all their temporary and ultimate goals. Losan, magical display of a deep awareness of all the victorious ones, merciful giver of a stream of profound and vast instruction to the fortunate migrators, Please remain always unperishing, unchanging, unfading. Avalokiteshvara, great treasure of justice and compassion. Manjushri, master of flawless wisdom. Vajapani, destroyer of entire hosts of Mara. Sankapa, crown jewel of snowy land sages. Losandrapa, I make requests at your holy feet. Thanks, everybody. Thank you. It's good to be back from my retreat vacation. Most of the time, you know, I have plenty of time to be sitting still, but most of the time you're traveling, you know, I'm doing mantra, right? Mantra is a very Vajrayana tantric practice, right? Doing mantra. So uh, that, that's so wonderful, the singing. So I, I always want to thank uh, the choir here uh, for promoting singing and, and mantra. Uh, now that I'm back, I'll, I'll have time to meet with Mike to talk. So, getting out, getting out of town is hard now. Coming back is easy. So, singing and mantras, we always have time for that practice, right? You may not say, you may say, oh, I, can't, I can't meditate, I, I, can't, I can't read all these books about emptiness, I, you know, I, I hate visualizing the ritual, you know, but everyone can do some singing, right? Everyone can do some mantra.
This has been a Lion's Roar Dharma Center recording. For more information, visit lionsroardharmacenter.org.